Welcome to the Fatty Z Musky Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance, who's driving in the truck. Hi, Vance. Good evening. Good evening. We have Todd Young. Hi, Todd. Hello. I'm here, ready to go. And you are in the garage? Yes, sir. The uh, fake manufacturing garage. Yeah. Slash chicken coop? I don't know chickens in here right now. No. Okay, good. Um <laughs> And if anyone had a keen ear back in the summer, you could hear the little peeps peeping. I don't know if yeah, anyone no, caught no, that. No, yeah, no, no chickens. No chickens today. Okay, and we have Dan from Spanky Baits. How are you? Good. How you doing, boys? Good to be on. Okay, we are doing fantastic, and let's roll through these plugs. All right. This show is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. You can find us. Our website is fatazmusky.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram primarily. I do have a Twitter handle, but eh, nothing happens there. Um, the baits, same old thing. We, we're getting a whole bunch of inventory, but we are not going to put them on the website until after at least the Muskie Max. We're going to see how things go. Uh, but we are storing them up for the shows, so I won't disappoint anyone that may want one that comes through the door. Uh, with that being said, you can find the baits at Team Rhino Outdoors and musky tackle online uh, they both have uh well team rhino has standard colors and exclusives while musky tackle online has standard colors both great places to buy from if you're looking for rod holders though you can uh, hit up any one of our uh, outlets and i can answer any questions you have um, or you can order from the website all of it's good it all comes back to either me or vance and we you know put it where it needs to go the question and we'll get stuff answered so with that, I'm going to shut up and let Todd talk a little. Okay, let's talk to Muddy Creek Fishing Guys. MCFishingGuys.com. Get a hold of us. Check out our website. Uh, I'll be fishing a little bit in Pennsylvania in late April, early May, mid-May, and then uh, once the end of May, last Saturday, May rolls around this year. It's the 30th, 30, 30, uh, 30th, 31st. Got two days to fish in May this year, but... We'll be up at Chautauqua Lake. Vance and I will both be guiding the whole season up until mid-November at least. And uh, get a hold of us. We'll go out there and do our best to get you out and get you on some fish. Perfect. Beautiful. And if uh, you come fishing with us, you'll be fishing out of Ranger Boats. Big shout out to them for sponsoring our guide business and this show. Uh, check out all your Ranger needs at Vic Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. They have Rangers, Triton, Starcraft, Star Welds. They're great for service. Um, check them out. Uh, I'm going to be at the Allegheny Outdoor Expo uh, with them. Um, selling boats, talking trips. Come check them out. Uh, St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Check them out. We use those daily, break them daily, get them repaired daily if we need it. That's how good that, their customer service is. Um, on the end of some of those rods... Uh, or generally when we're trolling or baker baits big shout out to him uh, for sponsoring the show um, and muddy creek fishing guides all right vance i will take over from here so uh here in a couple weeks we will be down in cannonsburg pennsylvania for the musky max plus we've talked about it a lot it's our big show come out and see bait makers that you might not see anywhere else i i don't know if leo does any shows i know wiley doesn't uh go to any other shows besides this baker does make an appearance though he has shown up at some other spots 
It's just a great time. It's a great venue. Uh, the Leah parties do a fantastic job. Uh, you, if you look, you can find some $1 off entry coupons. They've been floating around. I got some in my email, and I'm sure you could probably track that down, and you can save a couple bucks to get in the door. That is March 7th and 8th at Pritscape Arena in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. It's a great show. I hope to see everyone there. Muskie's Inc., Todd. Muskie's Inc., check out your local chapter. Every, pretty much every state that has Muskie's has a chapter of Muskie's Inc. I, I really, I mean, it's just real important to get involved. Involve your local chapter. Even if you don't want to really get that much involved, sign up. Uh, all the chapters do what each chapter can do. I know our local ones, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, all doing some really cool things. I don't know that much about the chapters out in the, you know, western central part, but I'm sure they do the same things. You know, raising raising money, uh, getting some, getting the fisheries to look at some of the rules. And, you know, I know we've gotten some rule changes. We've opened the season all year in Pennsylvania now. Uh, I know with, that uh, the Muskie Inc. guys helped with that, helped getting it down to a 40-inch size limit rather than two fish at 30 inches a day. It, two fish, 30 inches. You can keep two a day. You know, I know our club really talked to them a lot about that. We're raising money through many different ways to uh, help feed the minnows or help buy minnows to feed the muskies. They're holding them over now. Uh, you know, quite a few of them they are stocking in the spring rather than the fall. Those ones that they're doing like that, they just feel have an unbelievable success rate. They're stocking 12, 15 inch fish, you know, uh, so all kinds of stuff going on for, with the muskie and chapters. Uh, check it out and uh, get involved. If you're into muskie fishing, I think it's really important to be involved in the local muskie and chapter. Perfect. Okay, Dan, it's your turn to talk. Hit up your plugs. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you can find uh, you can find Spanky Baits at, uh, of course, spankybaits.com. Uh, website is fully customizable, so... Uh, any way you want it, uh, we make it, and it's always been that way for us. And you can also get baits at Team Rhino Outdoors. And just like you guys, Team Rhino carries uh, stock colors, and they also carry some exclusives. Uh, and then there's many retailers, uh, on, you know, on all of all the favorite lakes. So uh, they're they're out there. Perfect. All right. Okay, Dan. So I. W- in fact, this is the first time I've talked to you. Vance set up uh, this podcast from meeting you at, what's it, the Ohio show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know we've, we've never really talked. We've I've known kind of who you are just from some shows that you've been at and I've been at, uh, things like that, but we really don't know who you are. So if you wouldn't mind, could you kind of, you know, you know, to tell us the story of your history of fishing, like you know, major points throughout and kind of like give us the story up to where you're at now, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, well, I, I grew up in, uh, Buffalo, New York. So I'm i I'm an East coast boy, East, East, East coast boy. And, uh, I cut my teeth on Chautauqua. Uh, sounds like you guys are familiar with that lake, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, being out there, like when, when I started, they were selling, um, musky tags, so you could, uh, if you want to keep a muskie, you could buy a tag. Uh, thank God those days are long past. But uh, so I, 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 I kind of cut my teeth out in New York, and then I moved out to Wisconsin, uh, oh, like '96, 
and I came out here, um, and I was, I, I wasn't like an avid musky fisherman. I wasn't, I wasn't hooked on it. And it wasn't years later, uh, I was a big hunter and my, my son growing up just didn't really have any interest in hunting, but he really enjoyed fishing. So it didn't take long. And we were like right into musky fishing, uh, for some reason, just, you know, the, the top predator of the water, um, the hardest fish to catch were, were up for challenges. So, uh, I really started fishing because, um, he didn't like hunting and, uh, well, one, you know, one thing led into another, I'm a trades guy. So I grew up, I'm a baker. Um, I went, I went to school in New York and then I went on to college and trade schools and, um, and that's what brought me out to Wisconsin was the job. And so, but you know, like trades guys always like working with their hands. And so we had the wood shop set up and partial metal shop. So we started tinkering around with baits, mm, you know, 2003, 2004, we started making top water baits and glide baits. And as we are doing that, we're getting more and more into fishing, you know, and, uh, fishing local waters here in Wisconsin primarily. And, uh, um, and then from there, you know, what happens, you, you guys kind of know the story too. Like when you, when you start making baits and you open up a small business, what happens is your time, all of a sudden you have to start to figure out ways to conserve on time or be efficient because the baits end up taking away from your fishing time. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you're all been there, you know, there's times that you just don't want to get into the shop, but. Um, so that's, so then what happened is, uh, we started taking bigger trips and it was, uh, I think we started going up to Canada, maybe 2003, 2004, right in there. And we ended up landing on Eagle Lake, Ontario about 2005, 2005 is probably when we started there. And, uh, that was it. Like once we started fishing there, we were, I was hooked, you know, big fish just screaming into the boat. And of course, Eagle is a, extremely technical lake you know you see a lot of big fish and of course catching them is something else so but just seeing the big fish it just gets you hooked and uh from there you know it's uh it's lights out that's it you're you, i found something that uh you know I, i'll do as long as i possibly can as long as my body will allow me to fish uh you know that's it i'm hooked so you guys know that story right mm-hmm. absolutely that's great. So, so, so in 2005, you were musky crazy, essentially. Yep. By that time. Yep. Exactly. Can you, can you touch base, since we have a lot of people that listen all over the region, but we talk about Chautauqua all the time. Um, did you fish, were you more bass-oriented at that time, or were you out there chucking for muskies occasionally? Nope. We were all, we were all muskies. Like, we, we started fishing. Um like when my son, my, my son, like he started fishing, like we were fishing bass obviously when he was younger, but it was like no time. And he wanted the musky fish. And I remember I said, uh, you're going to sit down at the table and you got to be able to tie knots and you got to be able to open up. Um, uh, you got to be able to change your own, you got to be able to change your own lures. You know what I mean? Like I said, if I'm going to take you musk, musky fishing, you can, you got to be able to open that clasp up. And so he Again. worked at that. Yeah. Again. And, um, that also takes away from fishing time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. Not only, not only running the, the business, but if you have a kid that can't put the worm on the hook or open up the snap, 
you, yep. you got you exactly. to play daddy. I mean, I remember, I, I remember handing my bowl to my grandpa to get him to do the snap because I didn't have the strength to do it when I was a little kid. It was, uh, <laughs> he would say, yeah. that, you're, you're good for the rest of the day. Use that spinner that you have on there. Now, yeah. Now, yeah. Now we do. Now we do it daily on the water. We're guides and suckers for punishment. But I mean, sometimes you're just like, jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah if, you let, if you if you let them do it, you know that snap's not on there correctly. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, I've got I've got videos. I said you you got to learn to cast a bait caster. Like the bass fishing days are over. So I remember having them with a ba- a bait caster and like a, a piece of wood. Like a like a two by four, like a small two by four. He was casting this thing in the parking lot, and uh, before you know it, he's hooked on a telephone pole. And I'm like, all right, you know what? We're we're good. We're good. We're going. We're going fishing. We're going fishing. You can get it out there. Yeah. You, you, you can get it yeah. Out there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So back in those early days, I mean, Todd, were you overlapping those years at Chautauqua at the same time Dan was? Well, I, I don't know when Dan left i mean i was going to chautauqua well chautauqua probably would have been early 90s um yeah probably early 90s like i went out there sucker fishing uh was my first time fishing and um yeah so i would say uh, maybe 92 was when Mm. i started yeah yeah was that in your heyday todd i was that's when i was getting out of college i was fishing up there a lot then yeah absolutely Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. Kind of coincidental. Got a Midwestern yeah. guy here that was uh small world. Very small world to start off the podcast. We'll stop. Yeah, and, and what's crazy now is, you know, like what I consider so I grew up in New York, but I consider my home water um the St. Lawrence. And so every every chance I can, um I'm I get in the truck and I go for that uh like excruciating 15 hour drive, uh, up to St. Lawrence and I fish up there. Exactly. Yeah. Is it, let me ask you this without giving out any numbers. Is it worth the drive? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good enough answer <laughs> oh, yeah. right there. I'm not going to, no, we go, we go back and forth about this all the time. You know, people out in the Midwest, they say that that's the best fishing us over here. We kind of think that it's, we have the best fishing over here because of the bay, the St. Lawrence, and you got two numbers lakes in St. Clair and Chautauqua. I kind of feel like the better fishing is on this end of the region, but I mean, that's just my humble opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, like, I'm going to tell you, uh, like I fish, I don't, I, I don't fish like during the week. I don't just hop in the boat and go fish on a Tuesday night. I just can't do that. So everything for me is about jumping in the truck and taking a drive. Cool. So for me, like, the, yeah, like the closest lakes I'll fish in Wisconsin is like Green Bay, which is about three hours for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll fish Green Bay. Now, now Jeff Hansen, one of my pro staff, uh, he guides on the Madison chain once in a while, jump in the boat just to fish with him. Um, but otherwise I'm driving to either Eagle Lake or um, Green Bay or the St. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's it. If See, you're, so, you're, you're, you are specifically targeting, trying to target the giant fish. Those are the giant yeah. fish waters, your, your name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care about, I don't care about the numbers. You know, it's like, for me, it's all, you know, you get bit, you get, you get bit by this. And then you're like, you know, you start getting into the big fish. 
and you just you'll throw your personal best back in the water. You look at your fishing partner and say, you know, right away you're you're looking for the next bigger one. And uh, for me, uh, you know, there's not many places that hold that fish. You know, the St. Lawrence yeah. is and the Ottawa, both of those rivers there are are fantastic. Yeah. How many times a year do you think you get to go fishing? Um. Uh, well, we usually start out, we start out with a trip like for maybe eight or 10 days up at the St. Lawrence, and then we'll go out to Eagle for another eight or 12 days. Fish Green Bay, like, uh, last year I only fished Green Bay, I don't know, maybe 12, 14 days, but the year before I put in like 30 days up on Green Bay. Um, but I didn't have a job at that time. So, I mean, I don't, the bait, the bait business for me is, uh, even though it's full time, it's, I still have a job Mm -hmm. and, uh. So, but when I lost my job, then it was, uh, you know, <laughs> no question what, to, what, no question what to do, you know, go fishing. Sell some bait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, so you're getting out quite a bit. I mean, it might only be, you know, some of those trips are a week, week and a half long. That's, that's substantial amount of time fishing. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I travel for my job too. So when I travel, you know, I know, I know. I know a ton of guys on a, in, in, in all in every area. And when I'm traveling somewhere, if I got an extra couple of days I can take and I could just jump in the boat with somebody and fish, I'll do it. Um, so once in a while I fly into Toronto, um, I'll jump in the jump in the boat with a guy up the you know, I'll just drive up to the up the river and I'll I'll jump, you know, fish for a couple of days up there if I can or um if I'm out at the Saint Lawrence, I'll jump in the boat with a guy and fish out there. So you're pretty you're seeing a lot of different personal tactics and styles by doing by this this traveling spending a few days with some people that you know it's not like you're dragging your own boat and you keep doing your same program over and over again i mean i mean we we do but at the same time like uh yeah like i mean we 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 take you know i take we take our boat up to the st lawrence we take our boat to eagle and green bay but by jumping in the boat with other guys on these waters you definitely um get a get a different perspective on how other people fish and presentations and, and baits and, and things like that. Do you ever get frustrated with the way someone's running their boat? Like I would, <laughs> I wouldn't do it this way and it, it's starting to get frustrating or. Uh, yeah, there's uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like, that's like a no brainer. That's a no brainer. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, we fish, we fish some bodies of water where boat control is not super important. Um, there, there, where it's, where it's, it can be loose. And then like, uh, if you fish like Eagle Lake, where the structure is very well defined, there are very specific pockets or inside turns or, or spines coming off underwater that you got to hit a certain way. It, it's very important. And, you know, there's, you know, I, I mean, there, everybody runs the boat differently. Some guys are, you know, on the remote control. Some guys are on the remote control and the foot pedal, which is the way I do it. Um, I mean, you got to have both, I think, but, uh, I mean, or if I only can have one, I'll just use the foot pedal. I mean, I, cause you got to be able to cast real and, and adjust the boat, you know, right, exactly when you need it. So, um, yeah, frustrations for sure. I mean, if you fish with bass fishermen, they want to be right on the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to be right on it and it's like, man, the fish can suspend. You got to give yeah. them some setup time, you know? So there's, yeah, for sure. I, I've seen that. That's very neat. Yeah, you know, that's it's interesting for me because you know, I don't do that. So I'm peering into this this world that you have here with, you know, whole bunch of different, you know, bodies of water, big fish water, 
And uh, it's good to know that, you know, I'm not the only human out there that might get frustrated at some things. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, there's, I've seen, I've, I mean, and you see other boats, you know, the, you watch other boats too, the behavior. I mean, not just other boats. I mean, not, I'm not saying like taking their spot and, 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 you know, being disrespectful, but you watch how other boats run spots too. And you, you know, you'll learn a lot from that as well. Um, especially when they're catching fish, you know, you can, there's a lot to learn just when you think you know it all. Uh, you got to have a, you know, some humble bones in your body to be able to learn some new things. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially now, on those big waters. Absolutely, I can agree with that 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. So you're 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 going all over the place pulling this boat. What boat are you? What do you have that you're trailering these distances? Yeah, that that's this is the best question of all. Uh, I don't even own a boat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I had a uh so I was fishing out of a Lund Pro V, but all the guys that I fish with have like uh my main fishing partner that I fish the river with, we fish out of a six twenty one, uh, which he just traded in on a brand new Vexus. So uh that's gonna be pretty Yeah, that's gonna be pretty cool. Um the Rangers have always been, you know, phenomenal boats. Um you just I don't know, you can't beat that, but the, the year that I wasn't working when I was on the river, I fished out of a warrior. I fished out of a, a toughie. I fished out of a, um, a skeeter and, you know, all new boats and they're all, you know, they're all great boats. The pro V's, you know, you, you can't go wrong. I mean, you know, it's uh, they're all good. So by the partner that we fish on Eagle, he's got a 20 foot Lund Alaskan, you know, it's a tiller. it's like a 125 horsepower tiller it's brutal in rough weather, but man, it's got a lot of room in there. So, uh, you know, nice to fish out yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Great to fish out yep. So aside from your, your, you know, you're, you're doing the baits now let's, let's give a rundown on, on these baits. Like what, what style you baits do you earlier, make? Yeah. You talked earlier spiders. You're still doing that or is it just spinners? No, we, we started out. We started out. We were doing gliders, and then we got into topwater. And uh, it was. It was. We were only into top. Like I didn't really officially kind of create the business. The the spanky baits didn't really happen until 2006. And when we did that, it was topwaters. And then I got a. I bought a a, a vice, and we started tying hair, um, bucktail hair, um, a little bit with marabou feathers, and then. Right. It's right at that time when, you know, the, the, the tinsel started becoming uh, the thing. And so we get quickly got into tinsel and then it just blew up from there. So we dropped the topwater line because, as you know, every bait is different. Every process is, is different. And I really enjoyed the tying part of it. <coughs> Excuse me. And we really enjoyed the tying part of it. And um, so we dropped everything else and we just focused on the inline spinner baits. So is that that's what you're doing now? Is just essentially inline spinners yep. are commonly called bucktails. Yep, inline spinners and uh, yeah, right, commonly called bucktails or blades, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Um, at one point, we did do kind of like the tandem arm spinner bait uh, with the, the skirting material on one side and blades on the other, and we did that for a few years. But the the market was pretty tough with that, and uh, we ended up dropping that line too. 
And then, uh, of course, now it seems like it's kind of coming back. A lot of people are asking me about that. And I say, yeah, you know, we we can do stuff like that. We just, uh, you know, it just didn't seem like the demand was really there for it. Uh, the inlines were, were going like crazy. Yeah. Todd, I'm trying to remember. Uh, when did we first go to Chicago? 2015? I think 14. 2014. Um, I believe... Dan, you were there. I think you had like a double or triple booth. It was the last time it was at the college. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Something that stood out, and you might not remember this because this might happen a lot to you, but this this literally involves you. Um, there were a lot of blade manufacturers at that show. I mean, I'd say over half that half the vendors there were selling bucktails. Yep. A- and we was it. We saw a guy buy a Justin Case big giant tackle box, and he walked over to your booth. He like set it down on the floor or the table or something, and he said, "Fill it." Like he, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that vividly. Like this is just like fill this thing with bucktails. Yeah. Did, what, we... <laughs> what, okay. So I mean, to me, that show and two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2014, it was like blade crazy. There were all these blade manufacturers there. I, I remember some that I don't even, I'm not even going to try to remember some of their names. I can get part of their names. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everyone was just wanted blades. Do you still okay. feel it's that crazy? Um, You know, I, I do. Blades are such a, they're such an effective bait. And, uh, right now, um, you know, as like as we've grown over the years, and and again, so remember, I'm working full time and uh, growing this business, and we we have to grow the business kind of organically or kind of grow it slowly because too much too too much business too fast is is not good. You know, things will start to get compromised. So right now, you know, for us, the we've done nothing but grow for 14 years. And like the shows right now, we just got back from the Chicago show. We we couldn't have made another bait at that show. Uh, it was so busy that Friday night after the show was over, we stayed for an extra hour. And of course, you know how our booth is set up where we've got the gigantic wall of baits. And the, the, the anglers come in, they pick out the size and the colors they want. And then we just tie the blades on it. We put the blades on and tie them up and they're done. Well, we had to stay Friday night an extra hour just to fill that wall back up and assemble for that wall because we got hit so hard. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday was exactly the same way. And I said, forget it. Like, we got dinner plans. And we, we got out of there. And I said, we'll just refill the thing Sunday because Sundays are slow. Well, Sunday was a bomb for us as well. So when I got back from the Chicago show, I had to unload every single thing from the booth and go through it and just reply. been spending the last month replenishing everything for the Milwaukee show this coming up weekend. So that's a uh, lot of baits. Yeah. So that for us, uh, things are going, you know, things are going well. The, we, we can't get with, you know, like I said, Chicago, we couldn't, we couldn't have made another bait. It was just ridiculous. So, but you know, over the years you get faster, you get more efficient at what you're doing. So maybe back in those days we were busy for three days, you know, and we, maybe we made, you know, a hundred baits we're, well, now we're busy, and maybe we're making you know two hundred baits, uh, type of a thing, just because we're more efficient in how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's... We went to Chicago two times. We made the track across. And I'm going to say, like, both times for us just really sucked. Just, you know, just overall, just... It was almost like we hit the off years for the Chicago show. And I don't... Has it has it been that way for you? It's just always been rocking no. at Chicago. It's always... It's always... Chicago is always the number one show and it's always, it's always grown, you know, it's, and it always just grows. We started when we started in this, we were in a, you know, 2006, we were in a recession. And mm-hmm. so like that's, you know, so like base were it was busy for us right off the bat. I mean, all like our first few years, we grew and grew and grew and, but like we're in a recession. So bait, you know, it wasn't as booming, I think, you know, for buying baits as it's been in the past, you know, 10 years. So, uh, but no, we've never had, I mean, the shows are fairly consistent for us. Like we just did the Ohio show and that was, I mean, it was so consistent. Like, I think we made almost the exact same amount of baits. Maybe, maybe we made 10 or 12 baits more this year. Hmm. So, I mean, it was like spot on. That's neat. Yeah. I I also think what's neat about your booth is you literally could have somebody come up there and build the bucktail start to finish and you'll you guys will tie it up correct i do that like ohio is terrible for that because uh i've got a lot of guys that you know like the ohio and pennsylvania it's very interesting like geographically the differences in the markets and how things work and there's a lot of phenomenal um i I look at your area there and i said there's a lot of phenomenal painters um bait painters right down in that area there but a lot of guys want custom stuff like truly custom and then they want big baits too. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at our lineup and you say, well, you know, the traditional double 10 bucktail, uh, the double 10 spanky, which we call the fireball, has the two skirts and then double 10 blades. Well, I get down there and I'm making some of these baits with eight skirts. Um, the thing is like, <laughs> they're like 20 inches long, you know, people come in and they're like, man, these guys are all trolling those. And I'm like, no, they're throwing them. And they were like saying, what the what? And I said, yeah, like, you know, these guys are casters. And they're like, you're kidding me. And I said, no, I'm not kidding you. Like, I got to bring special stuff down to Ohio just to make big baits for those guys. And uh, and then, you know, then they're picking out their skirts. And so it's a full assembly process there. And I don't mind that. I mean, you know, it's it's all part of the it's all part of the deal. Everybody gets exactly what they want. And then they fish it harder. They have more confidence in those baits. Then they they catch more and bigger fish, uh, and, and then they you know it, it makes the baits look good. But it's really you know it's just the fishermen having the confidence in the bait and fishing them harder. Is your, is your son is your son still in the business or doing anything? No, no. no. So he okay. as he got through high school, he was like my main tire. So like I funded his whole high school year, and then he moved out. He moved up to Madison, uh, so I'm I'm in Monroe, Wisconsin, which is almost on the Illinois border. It's just a it's like cornfields and combines here, and uh, he moved up to Madison. He's lived up in Madison for a lot of years, and and he had some really great fishing years. I mean, he's got some I don't know. I think his biggest fish is maybe 52 and a half. Um, he had some really good years, but uh, you know, like like these young, you know, he's 27 now. So like these younger guys, you know, they got to figure out life. So oh, yeah. that's what he's doing. And he'll he'll once in a while jump. Like in the fall, we always used to take him up sucker fishing, and uh, once in a while he'll jump on a trip with us if he can if he can get away, and he'll do that. But right now he's just trying to figure, trying to get life under underway. And I assume he'll come back, 
you know, once he's got that, that there, he'll come back and finish. Yeah. Um, I want to go two directions right now with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump to this one since we were just talking about your son. Uh, when, when you, uh, when he had no interest in hunting and, and that, that took you down the path of fishing now that, you know, he's kind of more on his own. Have, did you quit hunting altogether and just pick up fishing or? No. Okay. (laughs) So, no, I was, uh, so, um, when we moved out here, uh, so my son was a big, he was a big hockey player and, and I coached. I came to I came to Monroe, and as soon as I got here, um, they built a new a new rink here, and I went down there. And before you know it, I was coaching the varsity hockey team, and I coached that hockey team, and I coached his team all the way up. Um, and so, like, we were fully involved with hockey. And when that happens, you know, that's a winter times thing. So you give up. Like, I gave up bow hunting. You know, we still gun hunt for 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 whitetail deer but gave up all predator hunting, anything like that. And then when he graduated and I, I resigned from coaching hockey at that point, I had enough. And uh, we, we actually won the state tournament that his last year, so which was very cool. And oh, then yeah. uh, so I resigned on a great note. And I said, man, there's so many things I want to do. But what happened was Spanky Bates took off through the roof. Like it had really big years. Like I had more time for it. So it had bigger, bigger years of growth. I got, I got, you know, I'm a, I'm a big bow hunter. I, I love to bow hunt. And so, um, it kind of conflicts with fall, fall musky fishing quite a bit. But, um, so I got back into bow hunting. I never really got back into the predator, um, hunting. Uh, a lot of the guys here do it, <clears throat> you know, they're hunting for, um, coons and coyotes, but so I just really, really with the bow, I spent a lot of time out there and, uh, and then fish. So. It's interesting because early on when I heard you say that, there's just, it seems like if once you're a hunter, it's like hunting and fishing kind of go together. If if you go hunting, there's a good chance that you fish as well. There's some people that yeah. fish that don't necessarily hunt. But when I, when I hear, you know, people that cut back or, or even just stop hunting and take up fishing, I was just curious if that was just like a permanent, I'm done. I'm, I'm just doing this now. I know some people that do that, but it's, it's a minority. And I was just curious about that and, you know, how family life and business does, you know, compete for your time and, you know, what sacrifices yeah. are you willing to make? There, there's a fine line. I've got a, a lot of the guys that I fish with, they think I'm crazy. Like they say, how can you be done? Like we take a, we usually take a, like a fishing trip in the fall um, we'll, we'll take a, like a trip where we'll go out like sucker fishing time and we'll go out in like late October. And when I come back from that trip, like all my fishing gear just gets thrown, thrown in the garage and I'm in a tree stand and, and they can't believe that I don't go out, you know, fishing for the, the real heavy fish in, in like November. And it's been on my mind for a lot of years, but you know, that's when fishing gets, it gets tough and water can get big and it can get dangerous and it's like, you know what, like, and I like being in the tree stand. It's just like, uh, it's like you put down one thing, like I got to bounce around. I don't have ADD, but you know, like I just, I just get into different things and it's like, you got to close the book on one season and then kind of open up another one. So like late uh, October is, is when you're closing the musky season. You're, this is it. I'm done. It's focus on deer. Big right. bucks. Yep. Big, big giant bucks. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's neat. Now, typically, I don't know how much further north you are than us, but it, uh, 
you know, I talk to some people in the Midwest fairly, you know, fairly often just because of the business. And I always ask them like, you know, when's ice out? When does this ice start forming? You know, how many feet of ice? Because it doesn't seem like you have to go that much further North. And they're like, oh yeah, we're, we got two feet of ice by, you know, late November. Are you, are you kind of yeah. there in, in that colder region or? Yeah. Yeah. There's like, uh, like we're in Southern Wisconsin and Southern like, well, okay. So Southern Wisconsin is fantastic for big deer for sure. Um, Northern Wisconsin, it's a little bit tougher, but yeah, the, the, the ice, like, uh, Green Bay is just, I don't know. Green Bay is just like two hours North of me. I'm probably in the same latitude as you, as you guys are in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, pretty close there. And, you know, like uh, up north definitely freezes a little bit quicker, but it, it's not much. Um, you know, I'm in southern Wisconsin, and it's way colder here than it ever was in Buffalo. So, um, yeah, we, we get the cold weather in the southern part of the state for sure. Do you do any ice fishing? No. Um, no. And uh, one of my guys, Brett Alexander, He's got a an outfit on Green Bay um, that's just second to none. I mean, they ice fish like crazy out there. And he's he's asked me tons of times to come out. We just I just can't seem to make the time because we we kind of go from bow hunting into the holidays, and then we're show, show season, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I mean, I do so many shows. It's just it's just stupid. Like before you know it, it's uh, the snow's melting and the water's opening up, and then. Uh, we're, we're making baits for stores like in the, in the spring and then we're going fishing. So how, how is that guy doing by the way? <laughs> uh, in, in what regard? Eyes. Oh, um, I think it's, I think his sight is all back. He's had, I think he had like three surgeries and I think he's pretty good. Um, I don't imagine I'm going to see him anymore without a, some sort of a pair of glasses on forever. And, what? uh, mm-hmm. You okay, know, explain what happened. Um, well, okay, so on, I follow Brett on on the uh, on the social media, and um, great fisherman, um, but he went out had a multi species day, and one was a human being himself, and he put it looked like a walleye lure right through his eye, um, yep. and that yep. was one of the most gruesome musky posts or fishing posts i've seen in a very very long time yeah that was uh that was nasty and i think what happened was uh he told me the story uh they got the fish up to the side of the boat and as it got in the net it must not have been hooked real good and the lure sprung out the you know the rod was loaded up and the lure sprung out and flung back and stuck right in his eye too much pressure from the client <laughs> yeah it's a, just... you said the polite way yeah yeah i mean it's it's but you know it's a lesson for all of us i mean how many times have we had close encounters where the lures come flying back at the boat or i mean that could happen musky fishing just the same you know because how much tension you know think about the fish you get you get a 50 incher uh you know up to the side of the boat that's pissed off and uh just going nonstop. you got nothing but pressure on that to get in the net and if it's just a back hook or you know it's just like a beak hook Man, that that lure could go at any time. Absolutely, yeah. You get comfortable like it's never going to happen, too. You know, you're like just going through the motions, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Not to not to make a joke about it, but it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Exactly, that's 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 the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, I felt horrible for him. I mean, glad to hear he's doing well. I I remember. 
reading something on the, on the same topic, sort of, uh, in one of these like in fisherman books that I had when I was younger and they, they had like chapters on musky and pike and they showed people like using a cradle and there was like a caption like saying that, you know, cradles are really dangerous. Like they're great for the fish, you know, you can kind of contain them, but the, um, the two person operation where one guy's literally hanging over the fish while the other guy guides him with a loaded rod that it's just yes. from that moment on, I'm like, I would never use a cradle ever. Yeah. And, and then, you, you know, know it's, I've had so many close, I've had, I had a close call this year. I caught a, uh, we found a weed bed that was packed full of fish and we cleaned, we cleaned the muskies out of there. And then our last pass through there, I caught a small Northern pike. And I, you know, everybody knows that pike are the, the, the enemy, but I got, I remember <laughs> They're I, the got, devil. Like, I got this, I got, I got this pike up to the side of the boat and it hit like, uh, I was using like a 14 inch spanky and I grabbed the fish and the fish went crazy and it spit the lure and one hook stuck in my ear and one stuck in my neck and the fish went free. And I remember looking at my partner, I'm like, grab the bolt cutters. And he came over and he looked at it and he goes, oh, you're okay. And he just pulled it out. And I'm like, oh man, like that's a close call. Now I had sunglasses on, but still it's, the, you know, it's that stuff. You just got to try to keep in mind that, you know, it's the safety. And uh, unfortunately I don't, we've all been through, you know, hooks in the boat. It's just part of the, it's just part of the deal, you know? Yeah. It's absolutely. I mean, Vance, remember when you pinned yourself to your boat in your garage? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't even fishing. I just <laughs> fell. I fell out, fell out of my boat, and uh, you know, I I kept the the lures on because I was, you know, being lazy, but I was also exhausted trying to, you know, have more time um, of daylight to drive. And I fell out of my slipped off the uh, the fender of the boat, and my hand was just in all all the eight rods, eight trolling rods with big hooks all over them, and I could not flip myself back in uh to get to that so i didn't have my cell phone near me i didn't have anything the doors were wide open truck was on lights going on it was about 11 o'clock at night and the only thing i could do was scream help Help! (laughs) i woke up i I feel like i woke up the neighbors i definitely woke up my wife and uh i was like hey uh everything's cool i just need you to call the uh the bolt cutters for me so so like the, the, the the bait was stuck in like the carpet or the, or the, you know, of the boat, it was the other hook was in your hand and you were flat footed on a 21 foot Ranger standing on the yep. floor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lots of fun. Oh yeah. You know, and we had a, we had a situation years ago when we used to set up the wall in the booth, we were down in Ohio and we didn't, we used to have all the racking was connected to itself and we used to just kind of, like stagger it and uh we had the whole the whole entire wall set up and the wall fell on top of uh jeff hansen <laughs> i mean the whole the whole wall fell over now i don't know if you guys promote swearing but this would be like the place where you would swear and yeah. the uh i, <laughs> he all I like remember I, did he look like a porcupine so we had like six guys yeah we had like six guys in the booth like lifting the wall back up there was like, there had to be like 5,000 spankies all over the floor, all over Jeff. And honest to God, like he had one little prick. Like he was so lucky. I, I mean, 
this this could have been like an emergency room nightmare like this but we he got really lucky there so we changed the process we put legs on the wall and now everything is <laughs> like a scene from saw yeah yeah oh yeah yeah oh man yeah hopefully he didn't like yeah if he would have freaked out and started rolling around he'd have been in trouble yeah, this was crazy. I mean, luckily he's so tall, so it wasn't like it came crashing down on him. It just fell on him, and it, it just he just got really lucky. So, yes. Let me ask you this. Um, let's probably go back a little bit earlier, but when did you know you had something special in the lore that you made? Uh, you know, it was it was pretty quick. It was right away. The um, when we first started, uh, you know, we des- we developed this bait. To, you know, to catch fish on Eagle Lake. And we said, if we can, if we can develop a bait that catches fish on Eagle Lake, then the, the bait's going to catch fish anywhere. And we had guys like uh, Steve Herbeck and Donnie Hunt and Craig Ebersall who were, you know, these guys are legendary icons on, on, on Eagle Lake. And I had the baits in those guys' hands. And it was really probably Donnie and Craig that, uh, we're, we're really throwing this thing. And then once, once Herbie got on board with it, um, it was just lights out. I mean, you know, Steve was instrumental with a lot of the design, like, you know, the baits go through, these baits have gone through so many different generational changes, all improvements, you know, hook, hook location, bead spacing, weight location for casting, for hookability, you know, for all of that. And it was almost right away. I mean, Herbie was just, he was just all over these things. And then it just grew It just emanated from, from Eagle Lake and it went crazy. Now that's great. You do, you you do a lot of, you know, orders that are, you know, customized orders. Is that the, is that the bulk of your business? Uh, is every, every, every single bait we make is custom. So like when you see what you see at the show, we're the same thing at the shop here. And we didn't always have it that way, but I mean, we used to just assemble every bait, you know, like you go onto our website, you're able to pick all the different sizes so you can pick any size you want. And then you pick the skirts, you pick the blades, and then some of them have multiple weight options. So there's lightweight and heavyweight versions. And it's, you know, that's the way it's been. So when you go onto the website, we do have a page of like, like favorites or best sellers where, you know, like black skirt, double orange blades, things like that. And, and we sell a lot off that because there are people that don't really care to get into the custom stuff. They just want some baits. But a lot of the guys, I mean, that's been a huge selling point. And not only that, but we turn the baits around like in no time. So, you know, I, you know, we've got, we've had shops that have put in orders and they're like, man, we need like 200 baits. Like right now we're shipping that out the next day, you know, and all the bait shops do the same thing. They pick their, they pick their skirts, they pick their blades. They know what sells. They work through uh, pro staff in the area that say, you know, these are the colors that, that work well. And so, yeah, everything is custom. Yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of answers the question. Cause you know, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, quite sure because I did see you guys, you know, tying stuff up like maniacs at the shows. Yeah. Like, is, is this, is there like, Oh, this is our whatever perch pattern. And, yep. but it's, it's just pretty much, this is the, uh, your little, Hey, these are uh, customer favorites. These are so you got uh, tons of you got tons of parts and pieces sitting there that you can assemble very quickly. You just have to have yes. them all tied up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, like we'll assemble them for the shows. 
all the way up to the blades. So the bodies are all done. And, you know, like we go to the shows, we display, I think we just, I think we display 83 different colors. And, but if somebody comes in, they're like, man, I really wanted this, you know, this really, this, this certain pink skirt and the together with this green skirt. Well, then we just assemble it for them, you know, however they want it. Um, and then, awesome. you know, of course, that's yeah, awesome. then the blades too, you know, then there's like, oh, there's like 50, there's like 50 different colored blades. Yeah. And of course we carry sevens, eights, nines, tens, and twelves. Uh, and it's just insane. You know, the amount of, comp- like, do I have a lot of components? Yeah, we got a lot of components. <laughs> do you have a lot of overhead? I would imagine. Um, well, I mean, you know, you talk about inventory, like blades are the big thing, you know, like, yep. you know, at any given time you're carrying like, you know, seventy five to a hundred thousand dollars worth of blades. Yeah, it's um, it's no joke. You know, yeah. When I talk to get you know, when I talk to guys, I got a, a you know a lot of bait bait makers that, that that make wooden baits, and I laugh. I'm like, you know, you don't you don't have the overhead that I have. The, you know, the, the the main part of my bait is the cost of the materials that are going into it. Where you get into these, uh, you know, more of a crank or a um, a trolling bait, uh, it's more labor that goes into that. So you don't have that overhead, but I mean, you still got to carry the paint, uh, you know, the wood, the hooks, split rings, mm-hmm. you know, and then the hard, the hardware to thread it all together. And, and the, and the cost of blades just in the last 10 years, I remember buying blades for what seemed to be a third, the price. And then a couple of years later, they're doubled and tripled in price. I mean, it's, it's insane how that, that market, I don't know if it's just a supply and demand thing that, that did that, but I don't know about well, you. I think it went through the roof. Yeah, you know, I don't know. We've had I mean, we haven't had many we haven't had many blade bladed, you know, price increases in 14 years at all. Man, it must uh, just I mean, be the small quantity stuff then. Yeah, I mean like a lot of, there's a lot of there's a lot of blade companies that pop up and you know they say, "Yeah, we're making custom stuff." And then you look at their racks and it's all finished stuff. I said, "Well, then how is that custom?" Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll pop up and, and they'll say, "Yeah, like we a lot of bait companies will call and say, we, we're selling this bait for, you know, 30 bucks, double tens. And I say, well, we're still selling that bait for 24 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if you look at how ours are built, um, you know, we're using the 72 wire and I've done that all by hand mm-hmm. and no, oh, nobody, no, nobody's building, nobody's building that on 72. And then everything that goes on to, onto that shaft, it's all custom manufactured. So... <laughs> I just don't understand the pricing. You know, a lot of my competitors are making, I mean, you know, every one of them has a thinner wire that's going through there or, you know, like the thinner blades, the costs are, are, are extravagantly less on those parts. So, you know, we, we try to maintain, you know, we've always said, let's make the highest quality bait that we can possibly make for the cheapest price that, that we can bring it to the market for. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of people in this industry that, that have unlimited funds to, to buy baits, but there are a lot of people that don't. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the, the guys that are working hard for their, for their, for their money, you you know, that's, that's a big thing. So we try to keep our prices bottom line as we can. I don't sponsor, you know, we don't sponsor, we don't advertise, we don't do hardly any of that. You know, I let the, I let our pro staff do that stuff for us. Um, and, uh, go that way. So we keep the prices down. Otherwise my advertising budget, I mean, is zero. So, um, you know, so you don't have to build that, build that into your bait, you know? Yeah. On, on, 
on an average it, bucktail, what 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 price range? It, does it does it vary based off of color or or length or amount of skirts? Like kind of just rough us in on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all it all it all varies. Uh, yes, the amount of skirts, the size of the blades, and then we've got some real high end blades, and those have a, those have like a small surcharge on the blades. So, like, I don't, you know, I don't have one price. So, like, when you look at our website and you say, well, you know, um, like a double, like our double eights, when we redesigned the eight blade, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, we knew we had something special. And we sell a, an ass load of eights. And we, the, the blades that we've ended up with this bait were fantastic. And everybody's compl- used to complain because you'd have to, you know, you get clients in the boat where, you know, they'd have to like snap it to get the blades going or the blades would flutter and you get a fish up on a figure eight and you got to keep it going really quick or else you're going to lose the action. Our, the eights that we use are, you know, they're fantastic. And uh, um, so, yeah, so it's, it's about the, the amount of skirts, the length of the, of the bait, and then the blades that are on there. So just a, a typical run-of-the-mill bucktail, like a double eight, whatever, you, like if you put two skirts on that and whatever, two hooks, what what ballpark are you in price rise? You know, just for the listeners. Sure, sure. Well, a double eight, uh, I believe a double eight is sixteen dollars, and it's a single skirt, two hooks, double eight blades, and then from there we create. Uh, we've got like the um, the offset, the eight nine, mm-hmm. um, you know, one eight one nine. Then we've got double nines, and I think the double nines then are twenty three. The double tens are twenty four. Then we got the bigger shocker. Uh, which I think is 28, and then we've got a Super Shocker, which has double 12 blades, which is 30, and then we've got one that we call the Meg, the Meg Shocker, which is eight skirts, double 12s. I believe that's 30. I think that's 36, maybe 36, maybe 40. I, I can't remember the price of the Meg. We just added that last year, but that's that's a big boy bait right there. Yeah, I think I think that's the first thing when I came up to your booth that I noticed. Uh, with the blades because uh, of kind of the inflation of where the blades went like a couple years ago was how reasonable the price was for the quality that was in my hand. Uh, So you can get a great double A spinner bait for 16 bucks. Yeah. And and I think, I think that's, uh, you can't do that at the store. Uh, at a big box <laughs> store, and you pretty much cannot do that. And uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know where other other blades are or that price um, for the quality that's being put out. Yeah, you're yeah, you're probably yeah, like on the lower end of the price range at these shows because there's there's some very expensive baits at yeah, these shows. Yeah, absolutely. And when we when we put the, uh, I mean, we've yeah, there's. I, it doesn't make sense to me um, what some of the blade companies are getting uh, for their for their baits. I mean, I know what goes in them, and yeah, you know, exactly. all, I, you're, you're looking at them and you're like, I know exactly what this is. How? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you 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 know, you can buy pre-made wires and parts that fit that by the bulk. Where everything I may, everything I do, I got to have everything: the beads, the clevises. It's all got to be custom manufactured to fit that wire. Yeah, that's yeah, right. All... Because that O sixty two stuff, that's like the standard for yeah, like for big wire, that, but that's not the biggest. Yeah. So then you get to seventy two, and then it's a special tempered steel, 
And, you know, I always say, you know, a fish hits that bait right, it's still, it'll still put a 90-degree bend in that wire. But the heavier stuff, it recovers a lot quicker. And then all of the blades are the 040 blades. And so, of course, I mean, that's the heartbeat of the bait right there. And so those blades don't bend. So you can smash those through rocks, and they, they don't bend. So you don't lose your harmonics of that bait. So it's uh, we're building a bait that's built to last. Sure sounds it. For a reasonable price. Yeah, a reasonable price. And then, you know, uh, at least it's reasonable. And then when we put out new colors, it's not so expensive. So, you know, fishermen can come back and, and, and you know, put in their budget to get new colors every year because it's it's not outrageous. And this is all built to order. All built to order. And, you know, there's usually – there's not really much of a time when we're not having baits shipped out the next day. Um, I mean, we're never that far behind. I've got multi, you know, I've got a big, I got a big crew of, uh, I use all, I use, uh, local, local people. Everything is made here. Everything is made in Wisconsin. It's tied here. Some companies are, are, are having their stuff tied, to, like South America or wherever. But for me, we keep it all right here. That's admirable. Yes. Very, very nice. Well, we're we're up approaching an hour, and we kind of prepped you earlier. Do you have any fish story, funny story, anything that you want to kind of out there Personal to round this best. one up? Yeah, something, anything. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, we've all got great stories. I've got one. Um, uh, I'll tell you this story. Two years ago, we were we so. This is how uh, this. So two years ago, we I go out to uh, Lake St. Clair and I sponsor. They've got uh, the the big tournament there, the Bash, which is in July, and I go out there. I sponsor that, and on Friday night at the captain's meeting, I set up a shop, like I set up a small shop, and I make baits for for all the for for that get together at that captain's meeting, which is a crazy night. And uh, so we get done with that, and I'll I pack everything up. We jump on a truck and we drive. That's when we drive up to the St. Lawrence and we go fishing. And so we drive through the night, we, uh, we drive through the night and then we get up there and, um, uh, we, we probably hit the water at five in the morning and we fish straight through. So we don't, we, we use like, we lose a day of sleep and, uh, that's not fun. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we fish, we fish all day and right just at dark. Um, I hooked a, a 54, a 54 incher and, uh, Got it, got it to the net and got the lure out of it. And my partner was trying to get the lure out of the net and the fish went crazy. He ended up sticking the, getting the hook right, uh, right into the knuckle of his finger. And, uh, he's pretty tough. He's had a lot of hooks in him, but this one wasn't coming out. It was right in between the joint of his middle finger and it was buried. So we got off the water. I took him. So we were over at, uh, we were in Cornwall, Ontario. So I took him to the hospital and uh, he calls me, he called me from the hospital. I was cleaning up the boat and he called me and said, they told me he could be up to 12 hours in the Canadian hospital before they get the hook out of him. Like 12, said, 12 oh. hours, like under an operation or just you're going to sit here no. for 12 hours? You might have to sit there for 12 hours. That's the beauty of universal health care. Absolutely. And that's all I have to say about it. Yep. Yeah. So, so then I said, you know what? I'll disconnect the boat. I'll come get you. We'll drive over to Messina and we'll go to the hospital in New York. And he said, yeah, 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 let's do that. So we go over and, uh, 
we cross over the border, no problem getting to New York. The, uh, they get the hook out and um, no problem. I mean, we're in the hospital for maybe two hours, get the hook out and we come back and now it's, now it's late. Now it's like, I don't know, it's probably like one o'clock in the morning. And what happens at the border, the Canadians pull us over and they go through the whole truck, like three of them or two of them, two of them, they're going through the truck and it's take like an hour long. And like, we don't even have anything in the truck. I mean, there's just nothing there. We're sitting there and we're exhausted, right? Because we haven't slept. We drove the whole night through before. And they're giving us a hard time about every single thing. Why do you have so many prescription medications? I said, well, I'm on vacation. You know, well, why Why do you have $4,000 cash? Well, we're, we're on vacation. Yeah. And, they, and, and just busting it. And it's like, normally, I'm, you know, normally I'm pretty sharp, like uh, pretty quick-witted, but like, I got to bite my tongue like six times because they would, you know, we got to get back into Canada because our boat is at the hotel. And so is all of our fishing gear. Oh, geez. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So like we're at the mercy. We ended up getting back to the hotel, like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, we get a few hours of sleep and then, um, right back at it again. But, uh, that the didn't sour the trip. Had. Yeah, no, it didn't sour the trip, but, uh, you know, just, just a crazy hook story. Uh, and there's many of those, but, that one sticks out. Uh, that one sticks out in my mind. That was crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That it would it was faster to drive into the U.S. to get oh yeah the hook out. Oh, I've seen that. I've, I saw that happen once. I was crossing over Lake St. Clair to go fish Lake St. Clair, and one of my friends, when we were going through the border, I saw them heading the other way, and I was like, "What? You know, what are they doing?" I mean, we were staying in the cabin with them. And uh, this is before cell phones, and uh, the, the same thing happened to them. He got one in his forearm, and they his his boy cut it, and it like popped down in. So oh, it was geez. like he Ooh. cut it too close, and it went in. You know, it like sucked in, boom, instantly. Oh, and yeah. they, they did the same thing. They went to the hospital, but you know, you're obviously at St. Clair. You're not far from. You know, we were just staying at Bell River. You can run right over. And uh, rather than dealing with the Canadian uh, health process, they just ran down to Detroit and had some guy in the corner <laughs> take it out, probably. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Canadian health care. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any experience. And I've, I've been there once. We will, end, we, we will end the Canadian <laughs> yeah. health care stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> very, very nice. Dan, it's been great. Can you please hit up your plugs again to let everyone know where they can find you at? Yeah, absolutely. So um spankybaits.com is the fully customizable website. Um Team Rhino uh has our baits uh, both standard and um they also have uh custom colors to you know their specific colors. And then um, there are, there are retails retailers uh, all along the way between you and I uh, that carry them. So no no big box stores, but uh, um, by design. But um, a lot of other retailers. So Raleigh and Helen's also carries them. Musky Shop and Thorn Brothers. So uh, lots of places. Very good stuff. So with... hey, will you will you uh, will you boys be at the uh, at the new uh, the New York show? Yes, yes, we will be. Will you? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there for sure. Well, that's great. Yeah, we yep. should have hit that one up early. For yourself. 
yeah, I, I would be, I would, I would go out to the Pennsylvania show, but uh, we've got a show that's up in Wausau, Wisconsin. That's a really good show for the northern part of the state here, and so uh, I got a two-hour drive as opposed to like a nine-hour drive out there. No one can blame so, you there after driving across this country in the middle of winter to vend baits. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to get out there. I do. We sell a lot of baits out to the out to Pennsylvania. But uh, it's just not in the cards right now unless something shifts with these show dates. That's right. All right. Is there anything else hey, you want to add before we wrap this up? It, it's been a pleasure having you on, Dan. Um, I'm glad we made that contact. And uh, I think on the New York show, I'm going to come over and yeah, tie absolutely. the spinner. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. The uh, uh, And you know what? Uh, y- your guys, uh, the rod holders... Uh, that you guys that you guys make are fantastic. Uh, I can tell you that my next boat and, and and I only I don't have a boat. I just sold my boat and uh, I just haven't bought another boat yet. But my next boat will have uh, will have your rod holders on it for sure. The um, there's there's nothing like those. Oh, so thank everybody you very much. says, and then when it comes down to the the baits, they're just like they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Especially those swim baits, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm just, I don't have any. Uh, I just don't have any familiarity with them. So uh, what we'll have to do is we'll have to do some swapping. Well, that'd be so fantastic. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. Well, we'll be seeing you here in what, like two months? A little over two months. Yep. 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 Maybe all the snow will be gone by then, and. God, I hope. I hope by late April. It's been really mild. It's been really mild. I know. I just drove from Pittsburgh back up to Fairview. It it was pretty bad out there today. And I just, for the record, I did kill two, not one, but two possums on the ride up. (laughs) Okay, I kept my composure. It's been a nice mild winter, and uh, but it just seems like every time I got to pack up for a show. We either get snow or it just gets bone cold. And, of course, right now it's snowing like crazy here, and then it's supposed to drop down into the teens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep, just just like what we come to expect for a show. Hey, good uh, luck traveling. Thank you very much. Same to you guys. All right. So big thanks to Fatty Z Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Ranger Boats, Vicks Marine Sports Center, St. Croix Rods, Baker Baits, the Musky Max Plus, that's coming up soon. Mark your calendars. And Muskies Inc. Join your local chapter. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And be safe. <laughs>